When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Left-handed version of Drew Brees is what Tua is. Tua was at 71.4% this past year. In his last two years, he's at 70%. Now, Joe Burrow's at 78. That's why he's going to be the number one pick. But I think you'll get 87 touchdowns and only 11 interceptions over a three-year period for Tua. Nobody puts the ball in precise spots and is as accurate throwing the football outside of Burrow. you got Tua right there. And no one is as precise or accurate with his draft takes than Myron Metcalf of ESPN. Ooh. That was Mel Kuyper talking about... Tua there, who, uh, you know, it seems to me, Myron, lots of teams are trying to say, too injured for us? Nope, (laughs) we couldn't possibly. Make sure you have an anonymous scout saying that in your article, if you could. So teams start to go, well, maybe he is too injured. Maybe I am afraid of drafting him because he could go bust because of his hip or something. Maybe we won't, and we'll let him drop (laughs) right down to Miami. Somebody on the show, I forget, we've had many guests recently, Myron, pointed out that uh, two different Miami reporters had anonymous sources saying that the Dolphins were very concerned about his injuries. I mean, it's Interesting. Very concerned. Not just concerned, very concerned. Oh, very concerned, yeah. Yeah. And uh, somebody (laughs) pointed out, I forget who, that... uh, one draft analyst said he's off my board entirely. Just totally off the yeah. board. Yep, totally gone. Yeah. So it's um, the way it works, man. It is smokescreen season. <laughs> and uh, now what we're going to do, we're going to have some fun today because we're going to make a list of our guys, our draft guys. And I think if you can, I don't know about your impression ability, but if you can say it as much like John Gruden as possible, then, <laughs> you know, one of those guys, he's my guy, <laughs> if we can do that. But first, I just want to say that there's a point every year, Myron, you tell me if you get here too, where I just reach the, all right, everybody just needs the draft because you're losing your ever-loving minds. And uh, I got a tweet today about um, something Sage Rosenfeld said on the show. We were doing our top five quarterbacks and just about how I've lost respect for Sage Rosenfels because he doesn't like Jordan Love. And they're like, okay, there's the moment. There's the moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Need the draft to happen. I'm done. Uh, so we, we have lots of coverage coming up, and we will have as much fun as possible. But, man, get the draft here, please. Yeah, no, we need it, uh, especially now. I mean, it's it's – this is such a unique situation. I don't know if we've ever needed the draft more than we do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the sports cycle, man, that's going to carry us for months, maybe. <laughs> you know, dissected yeah. every single pick. So, 
Bring it on. I don't know how I'm going to stomach the Jordan Love love, no pun intended. Um, it, it's getting weird to me. Isn't like I, I feel like people are like they really want to convince you that they're drafting the next non-Power 5 star quarterback as if there have been a number of them. But then you look at the film or you look at his numbers and you're like, okay, you all aren't talking about the same dude who actually played at Utah State Life. You're talking about somebody else entirely, you know? Right. If I'm going to lose respect for somebody over their draft opinion, it's got to be Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver. Like, all right, no, you obviously never watched a single down that he played in college because that man is not a wide receiver. Uh, Or it's going to be, you know, he looks like the other wide receivers. Cam Newton. Has a disingenuous smile. Like, uh, no, no, I, okay, I can. Those look. outfits, Colin. Oh, man. They must. It's a bad leader when you dress like that in the post game press conference. Yeah, I can lose respect for somebody in an opinion like that. Now, but if your opinion is, I question a guy who wasn't even good at Utah State, who won nothing and threw yeah. a bunch of interceptions, I, sorry, I can't lose respect over can that. We, listen, can we at least just admit that if you're going to make. The case that he is this first-round talent, and there are people who think he's maybe the third-best guy in this draft, if that's what you actually think, show me some proof of what he's accomplished. Right. That, that's all I ask. Like, show me something that says, you know what, here was his elite moment or stretch or chapter. You can't find it, man. Not in the last year. So I don't really get the whole talking yourself into – making Jordan Love more than he really is. It's weird to me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he had a very good sophomore season. but Very good. There have been other quarterbacks who have just blown away the lower levels of competition that look like they're on a completely different planet. And the guy that I was so excited about when he came out, because I don't know if you were of the right age, Myron, but uh, I collected a ton of... Football cards, baseball oh, cards, yeah. basketball, you oh, know, yeah. so you, you were probably thinking like everybody else, like these are going to be worth so much someday. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I had a Steve McNair rookie card and Ooh. I looked at the college stats on the back. I was like, this has to be a typo. Dude, this this crazy. can't be real what he did at Elkhorn State. That's what it should look like if you went to somewhere like Utah State or Ben Roethlisberger yes. went to uh, the Miami o- of Ohio. Ohio version of Mi- yeah. Miami. Those They don't like when you say Miami of Ohio. Well, I mean, what are they going to do about yeah, it? That's a great point. You know. uh, well, they are, what are they, Wildcats, Bearcats, some type of cat. Something ca- how many cats are there? The cat how many different cats are there? It's Wildcats, bear. I mean, too many different forms of cats i feel like let's Dozens, just at least. stick to one or two you know what i mean <laughs> yes. uh that's how i would do it. uh yeah but but the point just being that normally if someone turns out to be a great quarterback and they're from one of those smaller schools that's what they've done they've put up yeah. huge numbers and, and think about now i know the tools are very different but case keenum put up two of the greatest seasons in college football history and has yes. become a backup who had one good season in the NFL, right? I mean, so so you yeah. so you are throwing interceptions left and right at Ohio or at, at Utah State and I'm supposed to go, "Oh no, I'm good with that." Yeah, pick him number 1. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, it seems like the perfect guy to really question. A, a league that's like, yeah, I don't know if Jameis Winston is a starting quarterback in this league. <laughs> right. It's like Jordan Love. Let me tell you. That guy has a future. Like, come on, man. I don't really I don't understand it, um, but you know that's just the way that's just the way it goes, man. And that's why I love the draft and the buildup because we're gonna get it wrong, uh, you know. You you know how hard it is to get it right when we celebrate 
the few times that franchises actually get it right. Mm-hmm. So that's just part of the fun, man. But yeah, bring it on, man. Br- bring it on. Get your Wi-Fi ready. <laughs> Make sure you're ready to go. Get your IT guys ready to go so we don't have any mishaps. Uh, and you know if there's a mishap, it'll involve the Vikings, right? If, if somebody's Wi-Fi goes out when they're making the pick, it'll be Minnesota. Okay, That'll be the first I, team. Here's right? my argument against it. Now, this is okay. a good conversation of which team will definitely have something go wrong. I, one time at a team golf tournament where media is invited, played golf with their IT guy. Okay. And this guy played an integral role in building this massive electronic draft board for them even so simple and well executed that rick spielman had no problems with it all you have to do is go up and click a guy's name and his highlights pop up his statistics the scouting reports on this massive wall that takes up a whole room so i was so impressed with the vikings it guy that i think he is going to be the underrated star of the draft if he can get rick spielman to properly handle all this stuff but dave gentleman and the giants have to be the two-to-one favorite for something going wrong, right? Sure. sure. I mean, Dave Gettleman is using Netscape Navigator. <laughs> He's got a dial-up modem. You know that. He's you not. saw the picture? Yeah. <laughs> Just this massive yeah. binder? Yeah. He's ready. Like, hey, but he's he's ready to he's ready to trade if the parameters uh, are right, he says. He's willing to trade down, so yes. we'll see. Well, they always say, yeah, we could trade up, we could trade down, yeah. we could do nothing. Who knows? Um, and, you know, so they're the odds-on favorite. But... Cincinnati not having internet because they're too cheap is also up there in terms of possibilities. And Detroit yes. Lions, Matt Patricia maybe trying to do the whole draft in pencil or yes. something. Yes. Or or maybe Patricia has alienated everybody behind the scenes too and they purposefully want to make him look foolish. Very possible. Yeah. If someone forgot to pay the internet bill, it's the Lions. It's the Lions. <laughs> it's definitely I mean, the if line. there's one team you're like, wait a minute, man. We forgot to pay the. It's them. It'll happen to them. It's definitely Certainly. them. All right. So, do you have a list? Do you have five guys that are your guys in the draft? They don't have to be for the Vikings. They just have to be players who you think are really going to work out great. Well, I'll start with the obvious one, and it's Tua. I think we are two years away from realizing that we made mistakes in terms of how we, how we projected this draft. The idea that Herbert, Justin Herbert, who gets a lot of credit for being tall, right? I mean, it's one of those. He Broncos sure is things. tall. Gets a lot of credit for being tall. Um, that he could go above Tua is crazy to me. Burrow, we all get it. He's the number one pick. He's earned that. I understand why you would put him in that position. But I think two years from now, we'll look back and go, man, uh, that hip, we, we we focused too much on that. This guy was clearly the best player with the highest ceiling, ceiling in the draft. And I think Tua, to me, is at the top of that list. Because hip injury, if it doesn't happen to Bo Jackson, I honestly believe this. If Bo Jackson doesn't have the hip injury that ruins his career, I don't think we're looking at Tua the same way. And it's fascinating to me, Kyle, that we are comparing these standards and technology and resources available to a guy in 2020 to what happened to someone 30 years ago, literally. Right. And I right. think that's unfair. And it was addressed you know? right away. Wasn't the problem with yes. Bo Jackson that it wasn't addressed right away? It lingered, right? It lingered with Bo Jackson. Um, you know, looking back, he said things could have been handled differently. We're 30 years beyond that, and I trust that if the guys in charge of Tua's career are saying he's good, I think he'll be a really good player, a healthy player, and if that happens, he's got to be the top guy to me in this draft. Not now. I get why you're Cincinnati and draft Joe Burrow, but I think two years from now we're going to go, man, you know, we we probably shouldn't have overthought that in terms of Tua uh, in the injury. The other thing with him, though, is the left-handed thing, right? You just don't see any great left-handed quarterbacks 
uh, it's such a rare thing. If he's right-handed, it's a different conversation, right, Kyle? Oh, I, you know, maybe. I think so. Uh, I saw that your colleague um, at ESPN wrote a long piece about it, which quoted Rick Spielman, and I was there for this, as saying maybe there's just not as many left-handed babies. Um, no, <laughs> certainly there isn't. <laughs> Analytics. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Draft season is the best is for that reason right there. Like I would have taken this whole draft season just for that quote just alone. That quote. Maybe there's not as many left-handed babies. It is weird that they have entirely disappeared. Uh, yes. that, you know, when I was growing up, you had at least Steve Young, Boomer Esiason. There were a handful out there, and then nothing for a really long time. I don't have any sort of explanation for it. You would think that some of the great athletes just running around would so happen to be left-handed. Um, but it, it changes how you even look at him aesthetically. Like Left-handers, and I have two left-handed brothers, they're weird, and they do yes. everything weird. Like they, yes. my, I couldn't tell whether my older brother was just bad at shooting a basketball or it was just him <laughs> being left-handed. Even if you watch, I love to watch people's jump shots. It's like a fun thing, like break them down, slow them down the three-point contest and look at like, all right, elbow in and how's the finish yeah. and everything else. If someone's left-handed, I skip right by it. I don't even know what to tell you about <laughs> someone's left-handed shot. They all look really hideous to me. Even Chris Mullen, hideous left-handed shot. So yeah. that, that could make the evaluation a little bit tougher. He's short. That's always going to be a thing for these people, no matter how much they say. It's obvious that height does not matter by any study, but he's up against that as well. Uh, I still think, though, that he's the number 2 quarterback taken off of the board, and all of this other stuff is just the same sort of noise that we heard with you know, Cam Newton. I mean, he could drop. Blaine Gabbert could be the number 1 guy. It's like no one is passing no. up somebody who did no. that, and it should be the same thing with Tua. No one should be passing up this type of production unless you're getting Joe Burrow. Yeah, no, no, I think certainly uh, Tua's going to be the second quarterback taken, and he's the kind of guy you can build around. Um, another guy I'm, I'm going to bat for, a guy I would promote in this draft, Jonathan Taylor. Now, I don't know if you've spent a first-round pick on any running back, uh, considering what we've witnessed so far. I mean, it's yep. fascinating that even Christian McCaffrey, who's clearly the best running back in this league, the numbers suggest that people were still scrutinizing that deal and saying, do you give him a bunch of guaranteed money the way that the Panthers did? And it's fascinating how quickly this thing has changed. But if you're going to get a guy either at the back of the first round, perhaps in the second round, I think Jonathan Taylor, if he minimizes his fumbles, man, can be a really, really good complimentary star uh, for, for any team. And I think he just has the power, the speed, the big playmaking capability. He can catch it out of the backfield. Uh, durability will be the big question, but that's with any running back in the NFL today. But I think Jonathan Taylor is a guy who – you know, man, if he stays another year, he shatters every record uh, in the NCAA. It's just amazing. One of the best three-year runs we've ever seen. I love Jonathan Taylor, man. I'll give you a sleeper team for Jonathan Taylor. I think yeah. New Orleans would be Ooh. the type of team. You know, they got a lot of Latavius Murray last year, but you can never have too many playmakers to put around your quarterback. And and they would love to have that Camara and Taylor, your oh, sort man. of thunder and lightning type of mix. And even though Breeze is still great, they do need to have a really explosive running game in order for them to get where they want to go because he's not going to create 50-yard throws down the field anymore with his lack of arm strength. Yeah, and I think you know Michael Thomas has been so critical. I wonder if like when Drew Brees signed that two-year deal, did he give a percentage of it to Michael Thomas? Because that's why he got it, <laughs> he right? Should have, like, yeah. like, come on, man. That's a Michael Thomas deal. But, yeah, to your point, if they will contend, they need weapons. You know, um, Obviously, Brees is taking a step back. 
Jonathan Taylor, man, that that would be a great one-two kind of punch. You know, Wisconsin has produced solid running backs. Melvin Gordon, James White, and what he did uh, with the Patriots. Um, but not necessarily superstars. But I certainly think Jonathan Taylor will follow along sort of that line of Wisconsin backs who came in kind of game game ready. I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember a guy some years back, Brian Calhoun, who got hurt, got a bunch of concussions with, with the Lions. Um, but that was a guy who had a chance, too, to be a solid back. And that's just sort of the Wisconsin pedigree. And I think Jonathan Taylor, man, fo- follows that for sure. He's that kind of guy. Yeah, and uh, if you're going to go with sort of a, a pick where you've got a really good chance of this person being great, it's probably a running back because they step in right away a lot of times and are explosive. I mean, you you need to be intelligent to be a running back, but it's much more of a natural gift type of position than something like even wide receiver where you have to read defenses on the fly and, and so forth, and we see that route running and everything else. I mean, with running back, a lot of it's the same stuff as it yes. was in college. You're reading the same type of blocks. It's really pass protection where a lot of them struggle, but if you're as good as Jordan Taylor, you don't worry about it. And what he did at the Combine really said, okay, as explosive as he looked, that's exactly how fast he yes. really is. There are, there's, it's gone through my mind, Myron, a couple of times of thinking, you know, with one of those third round picks, it might not be crazy for the Vikings to consider one of these running backs. You could get a top five player in the draft, and there are five to seven great running backs, and just give him the ball, find him ways to give him the football because he's going to be probably more explosive than anybody else you could put on your offense. At that point, even if you feel like you have your running back position set, San Francisco used three of them, and they seem to get along fine. Well, and I think if your backfield is anchored by a guy who's had a history of injuries, the way Minnesota's is, I think you always would love to have that other playmaking guy who can come in and step up uh, for sure, man. And I think, man, he just, you know, I don't know the future of that position. You know, I think certainly we've approached a point where you're going to see more and more running backs on rookie deals, and then teams will just kind of go through that, recycle them in and out. Like the big money days are over for the bulk of these guys. But, you know, Jonathan Taylor to me represents a guy who could not only be a good running back, but more of a versatile guy. Uh, And you get him while he's young, man, not just on a rookie deal, but get those young legs as well. Now, the next guy for me, I'm very passionate about, and and here's why. It's the anti-Jordan Love situation, in my opinion. I have seen mock drafts that have Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, going in the third round. What? I have seen mock drafts, third round Xavier McKinney, uh, safety. He's clearly a first-round pick. Clearly he's a guy who I think can change the culture of a defense. And what bothers me, man, is that the same people who are supporting this idea of ignore what Jordan Love didn't do against non-Power 5 talent are not acknowledging as much what Xavier McKinney did in the best conference in all of college football. Like, I'm not sure how you can look at that guy and say he's anything but a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a sleeper as a first-round pick because I think we'll look back and go, yeah, he was definitely one of the three or four best defensive guys in this draft. Obviously, you've got your Chase Youngs, and there are some guys in front of him. But Xavier McKinney right now can come in, help an NFL team, be a reliable player. He's versatile. Like, I don't know how that guy – isn't a guaranteed first-round pick. Again, I, I know he will be, but there are some people who are suggesting that that he's fallen for whatever reason, and it's the anti-Jordan Love philosophy. We love to hype underdogs, but then guys who've been consistently good with great teams against great competition, mm-hmm. it's like we get tired of it. 
You know, we get bored by it or something. Like they've got to do something else other than offer their consistency. And that's bizarre to me, man. Like I don't understand that world of hyping a guy who doesn't deserve it versus bringing a guy down who clearly has proven he can play with the best of the best at that level. So uh, McKinney, I love him for the Vikings if they trade Anthony Harris because he is exactly what everyone's been talking about that they want. The versatile monster who could play every position if you need him to. You can have him come down and play slot corner. I mean, I love Pro Football Focus's draft guide has snap counts for every position. So not just... He's a safety, but he's a box safety. He's a deep safety. He's a slot corner. He basically split it 33% across the board from playing in the slot as a corner, a box safety, a deep safety, and he excelled at all of those. There was a great piece by friend of the show, Derek Klassen, who broke down all of his film at each of those positions and how much he excelled, even when he was forced to be one-on-one with a wide receiver in space, how he could cover them. But he also was effective as a blitzer when they needed him to do that. Everything about the guy says Harrison Smith to me, which doesn't mean for sure he'll become Harrison Smith, but it just has that same sort of feeling of being like, this guy can do anything you want him to do. And that's that's what everyone's looking for is the Tyron Matthew type. Well, he's it. So I'm with you on all three of these picks. And if you don't get Tyron Matthew and you're the Chiefs, what happens? I mean, that change you don't win the Super Bowl. No, you without don't. that guy. Yep, correct. You know, I mean that that's how important he can be. Single handedly turned around their defense after the first couple of weeks where they were struggling and then they made adjustments with him and were spectacular after that against the pass. People forget because of Mahomes that they were a top ten passing defense in terms of quarterback rating against. And yes. he was a major part of that because they did not have Darrell Revis anywhere at their with their corners. So he was basically support for everybody else. There's that one play that everyone kind of replayed on social media where he shuts down Deshaun Watson's two options, his two reads and then he forces him out of bounds like that sequence where Deshaun Watson has no idea what to do because Tyron Matthews right right there mm-hmm. shutting down everything he's trying to do like Xavier McKinney I'm not saying he's that I mean that's a high mark to reach but having someone who excels at that position and yep. you can move him around the field in today's NFL man like that guy can change the culture of your entire defense and uh I'm sure the smart people realize that but there's some draft analysts who who maybe don't uh, hmm. my next guy is not someone who, you know, I'm not picking all first-round picks. I don't think that's very fun. Right. This guy at Kentucky named Lynn Bob, uh, who is whatever you want him to be. He's a wide receiver who ended up being the starting quarterback for Kentucky due to injury. Uh, and he was one of the more versatile, explosive players in the entire country. Not really a story that people really told, but this guy midway through the season, that wide receiver came in and played quarterback. And if you read about Lynn Bowden, uh, this is a guy who... I don't know how he'll be used, but he has to go to a team that kind of understands what to do with someone with his skill set. But I think he's just so versatile offensively. And I think a smart team is going to find a way to really use him. And and I'm fascinated to see kind of what happens with Lynn Bowden here, uh, wherever he gets drafted here in a couple weeks. Do you think he will get drafted? I think it's a fifth pick. Yeah, I don't think he falls below fifth round just because I think by then you're going to get a team that feels like they have the pieces they need and they're willing to gamble on a guy who maybe doesn't really have a position necessarily, but that if you put him in the right situation, you can use him uh, to, to some degree. So I think he will. I don't see him falling 
outside round the fifth round just because of his upside, man, and versatility and everything attached to that. Now, in a league that you know is doing more and more to become innovative offensively, he, he fit with a team like the Chiefs or the Saints. I'm not saying an every down guy, but uh, special situations initially just because he's just so athletic, a really superstar athlete out of Kentucky. Yeah, I didn't know that story, and that is fascinating. And uh, maybe he becomes the next Brad Smith. Remember Brad Smith? Yeah. Out of Missouri, right? Good Played player. For, yep, good player yeah, for yeah. the Jets, and they would always put him in, you know, in like running situations, sort of wildcat things like that. Yeah, right. And, and that's hard to do in today's NFL. I mean, it's you can't just be a wildcat guy alone. You know, right. you've yeah. got to do more. But you know, special teams. He's got, he can return. He can do everything, man. I think you're going to hear the name Lynn Bowden here uh, in the next couple of weeks. Whenever it gets him, they're going to have a chance uh, to do some fascinating things. Uh, my next guy, how many I have? Four? Have you I have done four, four, so one more. Give me CeeDee Lamb, man. I know it's a first-round guy, but, man, I love CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma. Big wide receiver. Um, we talk so much about quarterbacks and what they can do to make everybody around them look good, and we forget uh, what a good wide receiver can do. CeeDee Lamb has played with Jalen Hurts. Uh, CeeDee Lamb played in the same team as Baker Mayfield. He played with Kyler Murray. Yes, all those guys are really good, but it says something about a guy who can make big plays and, and just has the ability to change a game. I mean, he'll, he's obviously going to be a, you know, possibly a top 10 pick, probably no lower than top 15, depending on where you have Henry Bruggs slotted, uh, Jerry Judy, sort of that class of elite receivers. But I think CeeDee Lamb is a guy that is going to come out of this draft and you're going to go, man, you know, this guy, this guy has a chance to be, Special depending on which team gets them and which quarterback you line them up with. So I also had C.D. Lamb on my list. So in the break, I'm going to take him off my list, but I had all different guys from that, and I will give you mine, and then we've got a couple of other things to get to. But uh, your list, um, Tua number one, Jonathan Taylor, Xavier McKinney, what was the, the Kentucky player? Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden. Bowden. And C.D. Lamb. Those are your guys. I'm writing these down to yeah, put man. them in the studio, so we've got them three years from now. And you'll be like, "Oh, Myron was way off." <laughs> All right, let's most take, likely. Let's take a break. We come back. My five list of guys that I think are gonna make it. The ones that I'm watching the closest on draft day doesn't necessarily have to pertain to the Vikings, but just the most uh, prospects that I feel sort of sure of for some reason. So we'll do that when we return. Plus, Myron, I have to help you settle a. An argument with a friend about the most athletic position. So we'll make sure we do that as well when we come back here on Purple Daily. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears. Maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can join Score North tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on right here on scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app for Loon Night in Minnesota. The MLS season may be temporarily on hold 
But that doesn't mean we can't support our loans. Grab your favorite scarf, put on your best kit, and join us as we replay Minnesota United's 2019 7-1 win over FC Cincinnati tomorrow night at 7 p.m. right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app with the draft, the NFL draft, just a week away now. Daniel Jeremiah is speaking with Vikings.com, and he was asked what a dream first round would be for the Minnesota Vikings. Here's what he said a dream first round would be. I would say somehow Justin Jefferson from LSU uh, makes it to him at pick number 22. Somebody that can can play inside, can play outside. He's excellent down in the red zone. Uh, he's going to be a point producer for the team. That would be my perfect choice at 22. And then at 25, I'll say you have an opportunity to get a corner, and I'll go Jalen Johnson from Utah. Uh, Johnson was not really uh, challenged as much this year because of how well he played in 2018. But he's tough, he's feisty, he's competitive. He can find and play the ball. Uh, he'd be a great fit there in Minnesota. So that would be my dream scenario for the two picks for the Minnesota Vikings. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. It is ridiculous that you played that. Because what? you just named a couple of guys who are on my list. Well, Daniel Jeremiah. Perfect. No, no. I know. Uh, I guess uh, I have been listening a lot to Daniel Jeremiah and other draft people because I watch some of these people. And uh, I enjoy going and looking through, you know, their highlight reels and things like that, and seeing a couple of full games on YouTube. If I think that there's somebody that the Vikings might be able to get, but there's no way after covering a real NFL season to go and start grinding tape on 400 draft prospects or something. So the yeah. way my process is usually, I read all of Daniel Jeremiah's. Uh, he does these conference calls, and they send out a transcript. So I read those. I read Kuiper's mocks, and then I have a couple other people that I really like. I mentioned Derek Klassen who comes on the show. He's really good. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. So then I sort of gather all of that together and start to use a little bit of logic. All right, like what translates usually if um, they say, okay, this player uh, really struggles with X's and O's, but my gosh, is he fast? Like that's generally not going to be one of my guys uh, because that that's that's always questionable. So anyway, let me try to readjust quickly my list here to not include the two people that Daniel Jeremiah wrote because there are enough that I wrote down that I can that I can fix it here. So must be a good list, man. Must be a great list. I I really struggled with it. I'll show Jonathan here because you and I are social distancing, not in the same room. See how many scratches I have on this on my on my list here. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing is just a mess. So you know you have a camera. Front of you, you can show the camera too. Oh, okay. Here, the, uh, here you are, anybody who's streaming. That's why you always go first. List. That's yes. why you always go first. Yeah, you always let everyone point. else go second. Always go first. In life in general, go first. By the Never way, go second. Always I, go first. I looked at uh, NFL.com's write up on your guy, Lynn Bowden, and they compare him to uh, Randall Cobb in terms of like what he could be as just even a receiver. So Who also uh, went to Kentucky. He's somebody to watch. Maybe that's where the comparison comes yeah, from. So, right. all right, I'll start my list because we have some other things to get to here. Uh, I'm going to go Andrew Thomas is my yeah. first one. Don't overthink it, everyone. I like I it. I understand Makai Becton is a massive, massive human being and. That's impressive to be that large. It sure is hard to get around you if you're that big. Uh, And he might be great, or he might be terrible. I have no idea. But Andrew Thomas, when you talk about somebody who dominated their competition against the best teams and is the most technically sound, that's the guy that I want. And has the, the athleticism that's plus, but he's not only here because of his athletic freakishness. It's because of his technique. That is what usually 
succeeds in the NFL. So don't overthink it, teams, and say, no, well, this guy at the Combine, that guy at the Combine, take Andrew Thomas first. You, you don't sound convinced on uh, Mekhi Becton. Well, you know, one of the things with Mekhi Becton, I have watched some of him, and it's hysterical how much bigger he is than the defensive ends who he's playing against it, in college. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it looks like a dad with his nine-year-old just, like, pushing <laughs> them over. But here's the thing about the NFL. They don't got any of those guys you can push over. Um, so it's all about technique. It's all about quickness, speed, moves, understanding of the game, like all those things. And he, I saw something where he only had, in terms of like true pass sets, like takes a snap, drops back, throws a ball, like 73 of them in the whole season where he wasn't, you know, where it wasn't a screen or a run play or something else. And they moved him around. And it was a really weird situation. So uh, we've seen guys like this be a big hit before and turn into uh, the guy from uh, Oklahoma, Orlando Brown. Just this yeah. massive, massive human. Yeah. But we've also seen it where the the real dudes in the NFL who have been around for 10 years, like Everson Griffin or something, just annihilate people like this. So yeah. I, I think he's more boomer bust. He could be great. He could be bad. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be a hit. Uh, instead of C.D. Lamb, who you took, or Justin Jefferson, who was mentioned in that clip, I'm going to go Michael Pittman. Um, Ooh, USC. USC. And you know why I like Michael Pittman is because, one, he's being touted as a route-running technician. He had over 100 catches at USC last year. And when he went to the Combine, it was, you know, can he show that he's got the athleticism to really do it? Six foot four, 220. You know, sometimes, yeah, you see a lot of those guys bust, though, because everyone goes, ooh, six four, and we ignore a lot of other stuff. But he checks off those other boxes. So if the Vikings do not take a receiver in the first, I like him in the second. I think that is a great pick. I think he's a guy who is going to end up being, you know, he, he can be your third receiver. Uh, but I think he can come in and be your second receiver potentially. I mean, he he has that kind of talent and that upside. There's a lot of rotation at quarterback at USC dealt with. I yeah. mean, this wasn't the USC of old where there was a lot of stability. So I think Michael Pittman will certainly prove a lot of people wrong. And for that reason, I don't like when I hear, and sometimes you know it turns out to be true, but I don't like when I hear, well, you see, the reason he didn't have catches was that they had bad quarterbacks there. Right, but you should still look pretty dominant. You know, yes. and their quarterback situation wasn't particularly great, and he still ends up with over a hundred catches. So he's out there consistently making you better. And even though he isn't the fastest forty, uh, they would throw him like quick passes, and he could make plays after the catch, which isn't the case for all six four guys. So Pittman is number two for me. I'm going to go with the local kid from St. John's, Ben Barch, as my third guy. Hmm, wow, the, the NFL does not usually take these guys very seriously if they come out of nowhere. But here's my logic on this. If you come out of St. John's and you have put yourself on the map at the Senior Bowl against guys who went to Bama and went to Georgia, and you're playing up against some of the best of the best, and you hold your own, you perform pretty well, plus your athletic profile fits, I like the look of you. I like the chances of that player turning out. And then everyone goes, man, never saw that coming, that that guy from St. John's was a fourth-round pick, ends up being a quality NFL player. But it happened with Ali Marpet, and I think it's going to happen with him. Well, I think that's a position that he plays. You can't really fake it. You, yep. you know what I mean? You're, yep. you're not going to fool people because the strength is such an imperative part, strength, agility. And, and to me, if you're doing that at that level against the talent he saw in the Senior Bowl, that has to count for something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that the Senior Bowl is a huge deal 
uh, and I see a lot every year of those performances there in the practices that do translate to which guys work out. The most notable that stands out in my mind is Cooper Cup went there and yeah. just dominated everyone. It was like, somebody better draft this guy because <laughs> yeah. he's annihilating players who are way up higher on the boards than him. Uh, A.J. Uh, Terrell is my fourth guy, the corner Ooh. from Clemson. People got like down it. on him because of the national championship, but LSU annihilated everybody. So I don't know what to make of that. He was he's he's long and he's lanky. He's like a Zimmer corner, and he's also talked about as being somebody who has the hang on for extreme draft verbiage here. He okay. has the fluidity to track yeah. NFL wide receivers. That's a huge deal. You can't have those stiff hips, Myron. No, no, no. And he he to me, you know, it's it's unfair that anybody can be compared to. In a game against LSU, I mean, everybody looked bad against LSU, but no, I really like him, man. And I think that's another guy who can come in and make an impact uh, right away, which is which is so difficult to do. There's such a learning curve for a lot of these young defensive players going from college to the pros, but he's one of those guys you could see in a rotation right away, and he's making an impact. So I have six. I cheated. Yep. I didn't know we were cheating, but if you had told me that, I would have cheated too. But, you know, okay. All right. looks like you put me at a disadvantage. You're going to be so. that way. Um, because even though I have another guy that I really like uh, who is not a quarterback, I have to put this down on paper, Jalen Hurts. Um, So uh, Eric Eager, who comes on the show all the time, did this cool study where he took uh, the draft verbiage from Dane Brugler's massive uh, project where he does this huge, what would you call it, a draft guide. And he sort of ran numbers on... You know, what makes sense for guys to succeed with X, Y, and Z? Like, who do they profile like who had similar scouting reports? And Jalen Hurts has a lot of the same words that are used in scouting reports for him and Deshaun Watson. Like, the arm strength isn't perfect. He holds on to the ball too long, things like that. But he does have a lot of accuracy. And you know what I like about the guy most is his character. The way that yeah. he handled going from Bama to Oklahoma and just all he did was put himself right up there in the Heisman conversation. Huge numbers. The guys who have put up huge numbers, Mayfield and Kyler Murray, have both translated pretty quickly to the NFL from Oklahoma, so I'm not worried about that thing. I'm putting it down on paper. Jalen Hurts. I love it, man. I think if there's anybody in this draft where you go, okay, who's going to get better between now and the start of the season? Like, like, who's really going to be dialed in? Jalen Hurts has to be at the top of that list. He's already dealt with transition. He's handled it well, as you've mentioned. And I think he's the kind of guy who's going to come into a system, respect the operation, respect everybody, work hard, uh, and he'll just continue to improve. And I think you know the moment will never be too big for him. That's what he proved yep. in college, yep. that this guy has been criticized by the entire world, because he led his team to the national championship, struggles in the first half, gets replaced by Tua, and suddenly he's an afterthought mm-hmm. to rebuilding his whole career at Oklahoma and proving what it takes to, you know, come back, man. I think, you know, that journey alone is why I respect him so much. And there's something to a guy I've probably said a number of times on the show over the last few weeks because it's draft season. That's how it goes. But uh, when you are at the goal line, and you take the ball from a wildcat type of play, and it's a QB keeper, and you go face-to-face with a linebacker from Alabama or Georgia or something, and you run straight into that linebacker, and you end up in the end zone, I'm interested. 
because toughness at this position, even though yep. we've made it softer, you can't land on the quarterback anymore. You can't pick him up by <laughs> do the horse collar and swing him around and throw him or anything like that. <laughs> I miss the old horse yeah, collar days. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor and Bruce Smith might have had a little more trouble these days. Uh, I think so. Safely sacking quarterbacks. <laughs> toughness is still a huge deal. Mental toughness, physical toughness, strength, power. like Those things all matter in football, and he's he is... a. Uh, a very strong person. And, uh, you know, you look at some other quarterbacks who weren't even the most accurate, who use their athleticism to make up for some of their shortcomings when throwing the ball or reading defenses or whatever it might be. I mean, even Tyrod Taylor is a huge success as a sixth-round pick. And and somebody who is not as tough as Hurts when it comes to, like, slamming into people. He's not as thick. But Vince Young couldn't really throw the ball accurately and had no idea what was going on in the field and still won a lot of football games. So yeah. I'm I'm willing to take him over ending up with somebody who's like Matt McGloin or whatever. Like yeah. how many Landry Joneses exactly. have you seen? Like I don't need that. No. So if this doesn't work out, he's still probably pretty good because of that. So he's fifth. And just the other guy, the other two guys I wrote down for possibilities, not cheating, Myron. This is just possibility. Wait a minute. Do you have a list of eight? Oh, I had more than that. That's why the half of them are canceled. Well, you, you told me five, though. I, I told you five, but I'm just going to say the other names that I wrote down just because. Okay. All right. Well, you want to? You can have a couple more no, names. No, no. You, you, you're that guy. Go uh, do it, man. Curtis no, Weaver from Boise State is interesting okay. to me because he's a really smart guy and had huge production at Boise State. If you're going to play at Boise State, you better sack the hell out of everybody, and that's what he did. And we talked about this guy as a potential Vikings pick, K.J. Hill. He's small, yeah, but like man, him. is he fast. And like also him. dominated the Senior Bowl. So I like KJ a lot. I won't. I won't give full analysis on those because those were cheating. But yeah, I mean, I just didn't know we were if we were doing a list of eight. I would have had eight. I mean, I, that's all. You know. Okay. See, you know, and you sent me a DM <laughs> earlier this week, and you wanted me to help you with an argument that you were having with a friend who yeah. played professional football. But now, why should I help? I get accused <laughs> of cheating with a list. Uh, you're you're on well, your own here. Go ahead and explain. Uh, listen, you you got a list of thirteen people. I just didn't know. I was underprepared. <laughs> Draft sleepers, uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if I, if I don't know, we you had like a first, second, and third string. I would have had that too, man. Now, so a buddy of mine who did play all American at Northern Illinois uh, went on to play a long career in the CFL before he got hurt. Got got uh, some NFL opportunity, but really good player. Now he's a coach. He posted that cornerbacks, and he played cornerback. Uh, and defensive back is the most athletic position on the field. And there was sort of a debate about that. And then I reached out to you and said, what do you think? You know, and I think we both agreed that, yes, uh, defensive backs have to be versatile. You've got to have the quick hips and agility and speed and all those things. But I think you have to have those things because you're up against the most athletic position on the field, which is wide receiver, right? There's two options for me. Wide receiver is number one. And I present you with Julio Jones, a yeah. six oh, foot three, two hundred and twenty pound human who somehow ran a four three with a thirty nine <laughs> inch vertical. Like that, yes. that vertical is approaching Derrick Rose's vertical. Yes, and the the forty yard dash is damn near the record. Uh, I mean, it's close, right? What's the record like? Uh, four two something. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, I, it's and uh, this website, Mock Draftable, gives you the percentiles. So he is in terms of weight percentile in the eighty eighty seventh percentile of wide receivers, wow. and runs in the ninety fifth in That's terms of speed, <laughs> and broad jump in the ninety eighth. <laughs> 
That's not, that's not fair. <laughs> this guy, like, I, I can see why they traded up for him after watching his combine. But my other one might be defensive end. Because, yeah. you know, I would present to you Daniil Hunter, who is just, you know, I mean... Now, now, it does depend a little bit on how you think of athleticism. If we're talking about like the pure freakish things that you can do, being six five and two fifty and running a four five seven is so freakish. I don't even know what to say about it. But there is another element to receivers that you have to have coordination and like yep. tiny detailed movements at six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, and running that fast. It's not just about those things. It's also about like the the detail that you have to play the position with, and and all the athletic movements, the contorting of your body to make catches and stuff like that. I think that goes well beyond what generally corners are asked to do, even if it's it's a very highly athletic position. Well, I think about my favorite, one of my favorite players in any sport of all time, Julius Peppers, who was basically like forty years old, and the Panthers are like, no, nah, we'll still use you. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. He, like like he's athletic. He's so athletic, but they're like, no, no, we'll we'll play you. In different spots. I mean, I think he made a couple starts, like maybe half the last two years in Carolina, he was a starter. And that guy had lost some of the speed, the edge, but he just still had this athleticism, man, that you really can't teach. And I think in today's NFL, certainly, man, defensive end uh, has become one of those positions where you have to be a freakish athlete. I always think about it like, imagine if all of our best defensive ends in the NFL had pursued a career in, like, the UFC. Like, can you imagine Julius <laughs> Peppers deciding that he doesn't want to play football he just yes. wants to beat people up? Like, I think he'd be a champion somewhere, right? So, uh, no, defensive end is another good good call, man, especially the guys who are moving all around the field and kind of these hybrids who are shifting from maybe outside linebacker, depending on the scheme they're in. So, no, you, you have to be a really good athlete at that position. Now, there is a website called Relative Athletic Scores that takes all of the combine performances and pro day performances and adds them all up by percentile at each spot to give you a 1 to 10 score because people have time on their hands to do stuff. And uh, so I've pulled up quarterbacks and the most athletic, the historical most athletic quarterbacks of all time. And several of them, a, a number of them had, you know, long careers. So I want you to give some guesses who you think scored somewhere between 9.9 and 10 on the most athletic quarterbacks of all time by this website. And well, this, is just, this is just like combine and, and, and such. I mean, Michael Vick is at the top of that list. Michael imagine. Vick is surprisingly not at the top of this list. Wow. And the reason why is because of his height. So this, this factors in height, height and weight. Okay. So he's still over a nine. But if you are, what was he, maybe six foot tall, 5'11", yeah. th- that's going to be a tick off for you. If you if, even if you run a 4.3, that's not like being 6'5 and running a 4.3. Oh, so Cam Newton's at the top. So of the Cam list, Newton is, yes, the most athletic quarterback of all time. But surprisingly, he is tied with Vinny Testaverde and Dante what? Culpepper. Yes. And so, wow. so here's the list of guys who made it. Vinny Testaverde, Dante Culpepper, Cam Newton are all tied with a 10 out of 10. So they're the most athletic quarterbacks of all time. Right after that, Josh McCown. Wow. The Josh McCown is the next most athletic Amazing. quarterback ever beyond Cam Newton. Uh, Akili Smith, that didn't work out so good. Oh, man. Akili. That's the McNabb draft, right? Uh, it's Akili, yes. McNabb. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that did not work out so great. Logan Thomas, who became a tight end. Marcus Mariota. Kyle Bowler, that didn't work out. Tim Tebow. Blaine Gabbert. And here's the one that I, I had like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Am I reading this right? 
Chad Pennington. Okay, cancel the list. Yes. There's just no way. Chad Pennington. Here's what's interesting. A bunch of those guys had long careers. They weren't starters necessarily yeah. through their whole careers, but they played for a long time, you know? And Chad, Man. the thing about Chad Pennington is his height and weight, 6'4", 230, and he still ran a 4'8", and still had a 33-inch vertical. And so, like, wow. if you're factoring in how massive the guy was, which I never thought of him as being huge, but 6'4", 230. Is how, yeah, that is big. Quincy Carter is in this list. Brady Quinn. Oh, Quincy Ar- Carter. Yeah, Quincy Carter. For a minute, it looked like that was going to work out. Out of Georgia, right? Uh, uh, yes, Where correct. Yeah. Yep, played for Dallas. Yeah, yep. naturally, Cordell Stewart. But here's the funny thing about oh, this. Cordell, Colorado. Like how this works out. You have also Neil O'Donnell. So coming out, <laughs> Neil O'Donnell was a Like playing athletically and being athletic are not the I, same thing. I, I would want to put all of these quarterbacks in one room as they all like look around the room. Like Cam Newton's trying to figure out how like Blaine Gabbert and Chad Pennington <laughs> are in the same room as him in terms of most athletic quarterbacks. I'd love to see yeah, that. Yeah, I'm going to have to look up like if we even have any sort of real data on Neil O'Donnell. Maybe they had like a pro day or something in 1990 cuz that I mean <laughs> that's a that's a real throwback to be mixed in there. Yeah. They're trying to really like gather some data. But the guys that are past 2000 are much more accurate. So, anyway, that's that's a fun list to look at. Um the last thing I wanted to run by you, I asked Courtney this yesterday and she had the worst answer of all time and I hope she's like getting ready and listening. Um <laughs> I so the Jordan 10-part series is going to be amazing. I can't wait. Can't wait, man. Um, oh, my goodness. I can't wait. I asked her who she'd like to see with the NFL, and she said Tom Brady, and I vomited. Um, <laughs> who would you like to see a 10-part series? What NFL player ever would you sit down for 10 straight hours to watch? So the, my, my question was, it, does that have to be current? Can it be former? Or you want current? Uh, it could be anybody. Anybody in NFL history that you would want to watch 10 hours of content on. It has to be Brett Favre. It has mm-hmm. to be, to me. It has yeah. to be Brett from the beginning to the end. Brett Favre, to me, from you know Mississippi to the Falcons to the Packers and then all the off-field stuff, it has to be Brett. Because I think that would just be incredible to me. Ten parts of Brett Favre, yeah, I'm watching that. All day. So Brett Favre is certainly at the top of my list. I said Moss. I mean, that the, there are certain people who, no matter how much you learn about them, you feel like you still don't know everything that you want to know. And yeah. Randy Moss is in that ballpark. And, and Brett Favre is, too, that you never get tired of hearing stories and learning more about Brett Favre and Randy Moss. Oh, I'd, I'd love to hear more about Randy Moss. I, I think the advantage with this documentary on MJ is that, like, MJ gave the green light to, yes. to everything, yep. you know? So that to me is the difference is like MJ sat down and basically said, this is going to be the defining project of my life. And it usually takes these guys some years to get to that point. Yeah. Usually maybe in their forties or fifties when they're like, there's nothing else to hide. It's all in the past. So I would love to see Randy Moss get to that point where he's like, okay, here are all the real stories. Yeah. And the, uh, the 30 for 30 on Moss, I think it's an hour and a half. It's so good. Yeah. My and, buddy did it, man. My buddy Marquise is the oh, one who did okay. it. Okay, I, so I didn't know that. Uh, that you're I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah, here's here's a quick story about it. They couldn't get Randy, right? They call Randy. Hey, we're doing this documentary. He's hard to get. They, they can't get Randy, so they're trying to call him. Like they're doing a documentary based on Randy Moss's life, and they can't get him. So they just fly out to Rand, uh, West Virginia, where Randy Moss does this annual camp for kids, and they basically just kind of like walk up to him and they're like, hey, man, 
we're here. <laughs> we want to yeah. do this. What do you think? And Randy was like, all right, cool. We'll sit down and do it. Like, that's when they did all the Randy Moss interviews. That's amazing. It wasn't like some planned thing. They just kind of showed up and basically said, hey, would you talk to us? And it turned into that. That is incredible. I, I think yeah. it changed the entire way all of us looked at Randy Moss after 100%. That because you felt like you understood all the things that you didn't like why is he acting this way he's such a huge star why does he seem upset all the time like why why does he have these problems and then it really takes you behind all of those things in his drive to be as successful and even it never left me what he talked about playing with his buddies in a field for a game that had no rules it was like this is one of the only guys ever that played like there were no rules that applied to him in the nfl so that yeah that's really cool and i would take nine more hours of learning more about uh randy moss and his background so all right myron the next time we talk we're gonna have players drafted to break down Cannot how wait. How about that? Can't right. wait. It will be a time. Uh, I have demanded that Courtney make her list of five and only five, because it's my show. Yeah. I can make eight if I want. Let her know you cheat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Myron. So we won't be I ever bet. talking again. And uh, <laughs> all right, Thanks for your time, as always, Myron. All right, bro. See you. All right. We'll be right back. Courtney's going to have her list, her five players that she would go to bat for, or as they say in football, stand on the table. And we have a report on the status of Anthony Harris to discuss when we return on Purple Daily. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We're all in this together, and you can hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Uh, he has an innate ability to find the ball, uh, whether it's fumbles, forcing fumbles, scooping fumbles, interceptions, tackles for loss. And I think those are the type of players that end up being great players for your team because they play special teams, they can play safety, they can play dime, they can play nickel. So he's a guy I'm very excited about coming into this draft. That was Ryan Clark earlier this week on our show, former NFL player and current ESPN analyst. And we welcome in another ESPN analyst. In fact, you know what we have not done in long enough uh, or too long, Jonathan, is Courtney our draft scout. We have not given Courtney her due, and I'm sorry for that, Courtney. That's okay. I'm waiting. I did not warn you on that, Jonathan. I just thought of, like, we have been negligent in ignoring calling you Courtney our draft scout. I mean, it hurts, but... Who has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft Scout. It's true. We can play that just about every day from here through next Saturday. And I honestly may change my uh, ring back tone. Remember people used to have those? You could play a song when someone would call. And it's kind of like the instead of the dial tone or the ringing tone, I'm going to have Courtney, our draft scout, playing when people call me. I have no knowledge of that, but I also think that that's a great ring idea. back tone is what it's who called. calls people anymore though. I, in the quarantine, more there's more phone calls now. I read something that there's been more phone calls on an average day basis, I believe, than oh. on Mother's Day, which is typically the day that uh, everybody calls their mom. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I'd prefer people stay at home and make those phone calls instead of going out and doing crazy things that might get us all 
Sick. So, all right, you've got your list of five. We didn't I sure give, do. We, we did not give Myron any music, but I feel like he was just sort of. Um, what would you call it? He was, he was like uh, indignant about his list. Well, little. I mean, like, he did have eight guys compared to the five that, you told him he could have. That is, you know, I'm sorry for being thorough, but I was heavily scrutinized by Myron like I was a draft prospect for having more than five on my list. So let's give Courtney a little bit of music and we can go through your five. These are people you'd stand on the table for. Okay. So let's go. Number one, who is it? So you told me to pick this list not just based on the top prospects in the class, right? These right. are the guys that I am most intrigued by. Yeah, ones that you think will work out, okay. basically. So there's always the argument when somebody's injured or sustains an injury close to draft time that it's going to hurt them and potentially you know, even linger into year one. So LaVisca Chenault, uh, who's the wide receiver from Colorado, huge. I remember... Um, Back like last year, remember when Todd McShay does the way too early mock draft yeah. in yep. May? He was like the eighth guy on that list, so I was really intrigued by that, and I looked a little bit more into him. But then he had that core injury and yeah. the core muscle, um, so that hurt his forty-yard dash time, prevented him from doing anything else at the combine too. Um, but he's right now like slated to be a second-round pick, and I think any team that gets him, i.e., the Minnesota Vikings, if they're listening, um, would that would be huge. I mean, he is one of uh, I think he's he's better than just being a receiver, too. I mean, yep. he was the only player in FBS to have at least 700 receiving yards and 100 rushing yards in the last two seasons. Uh, and that kickoff, uh, that kickoff return that he had went for 54 yards. It's the video that you've seen out there probably if you watched it. Um, he bowls through contact. He's, you know, a big physical guy. Uh, I like him a lot. And I think that of all the receivers, given there are so many of ones for me to really – Try to find their... I mean, we know who the top 10 are. Yep. And I'm not going to stand on the table for any of them because they don't need me. This guy needs me. So, LaVisca Chenault Jr., wide receiver from Colorado, is my number one most intriguing prospect. I like it, and I like him for the Vikings because they just need more people that can get the football in their hands and do stuff with it. I mean, last year, we didn't talk a lot about how successful they were on screens, but they were really successful getting the ball to Delvin Cook, but they didn't have somebody that they could throw a bubble screen to and would make something big out of it. And remember the times that they tried to run Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs on reverses, and it was just flat-out disastrous? They they could use somebody who can actually make plays on something like that. To me, this is somebody that could kind of be the next Debo Samuel in yeah. that sense of how yeah. he was used in San Francisco as part of their running game too, or at least you know like you were mentioning on reverses, um, you know, running jet sweeps with them. I think that there is the possibility there that that's a role he could fill early on. And as we've talked about on the show. Um, and as you'll see in my mock draft that we did for ESPN.com, we did a live one today in a Google Doc. It wasn't that exciting, but we are <laughs> taping the mock draft. I found out this morning it's going to air on Tuesday on NFL Live, the typical thing that we do every year at this mm-hmm. time. Uh, I did not pick a wide receiver in the first round. I decided to go against it, uh, to go, you know, to, to buy into the philosophy that you and I have talked about yeah. for the last several weeks, and I think this would be a perfect pick for them. Um, even if they already got, if they had somebody else in mind for fifty-eight, wait until use waiting to use him on one of those late second-round picks, maybe even an early third, if they're able to get another one from trading back, would be perfect. Number two on your list, Jalen Hurts. Um, I also had Jalen Hurts. I think that it's just I've never truly understood why there's such a gap between the top four, considering two of those guys are kind of a mystery, mm-hmm. um, and then Jalen Hurts, who even at points throughout the draft 
you know, the pre-draft process as we've gone through our mocks has been a day, you know, a late day two pick, which I don't think he lasts till the third round um, anyways. So I think that, you know, he's probably gone by the second. I'll be very surprised to see him there uh, late next Friday night. But anyways, I mean, just his story going from, you know, Alabama to Oklahoma, what he did last season, uh, all the attributes that he has, the physic, the, you know, the, Ability outside the pocket, mm-hmm. um, and you know the arm strength too. I, I like him. I think that he's definitely probably the most intriguing quarterback, more to me than Jordan Love. Like I know why Jordan Love wasn't had 19 interceptions or whatever it was last year. I know the reasons for that. I think that there's still some intrigue around Jalen Hurts, and I'm curious to figure out which team wants to take a chance yeah. on him. You know what I think our journalist brains do is we start to connect. Like, where have I heard this before? Yeah. Uh, where have I heard the Jordan Love stuff before? Of Hey, don't don't worry about that production. Don't worry about all those interceptions. Those are fine. Those aren't his fault. He'll be fine when he gets to the NFL. Oh, the upside, upside, upside. When you hear that, that's that screams bust a lot of times. I'm not saying it always does, because sometimes you know guys turn out to be great when you don't think, or they turn out to bust when you don't think. But with Hertz, it feels sort of the same way, where there's you know like, well, where have I heard this before? Oh, he's too short. Oh, he you know doesn't have this or he doesn't have that. Um, and, and then the guy drops and turns into a good quarterback. We've seen that before with a number of different guys in the draft. So that's kind of how it works for me is, you know, what what language in the way that they're talking about it usually correlates to somebody mm-hmm. being a surprise or being a bust, and those two are good examples. So who's the third player that you would stand on the table for on your list? Okay, so the third player on my list is somebody I remember seeing early on uh, this year at the Senior Bowl, the first time I'd seen him in person. And granted, these are just practices, but he stood out to me right away. It's Michigan linebacker Josh, U- Josh Uche, who is, I-, I think I pronounced that correctly. I've tried to find like 10 U-C-H-E, different... U-C-H-E, right? Yes, it's, and I'm looking at his draft uh, bio by Lance Zierlein on NFL.com right now, and he pronounces it O-O-H, all caps, CHE, C-H-A-Y. I've, pronounced, I've seen it pronounced Ush, Uche. This looks like it says Uche, so I'm going to call him that. I hope that whenever Roger Goodell calls his name, probably in the second round next Friday, gets the name right. But I wish his first name was Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Uche. <laughs> That's cute. That's, okay. um, anyways, I think that the intrigue around him and what kind of defense he'll actually be best in uh, really intrigues me. I don't think they used him well at Michigan at all. He was very underutilized. He didn't start any games for the Wolverines in his last three years of the team. Um, it just seemed like there was something missing there. Is he a 3-4 outside linebacker? Is he a situational edge rusher in a 4-3? I think the versatility with him kind of reminds me, granted, they're two different players. I'm not comparing them in that sense. But the what-if about this player reminds me at least of what you heard about Anthony Barr coming out of UCLA. Can you use him as a 3-4 rushing uh, you know, outside linebacker? Can he be what Mike Zimmer wants him to be in a 4-3? Is he a defensive end? Who knows? Um, so the way that that translated to the NFL to me kind of mirrors what at least I would expect teams picking Josh Uche to figure out. Okay, uh, so you know, it, guys who stand out at the Senior Bowl, I mentioned this with Ben Barch, Always uh, raise up my antennas. Mm -hmm. That's not easy to go there and stand out. You have to learn an offense pretty quick. You have to jump right into these drills with people that you've never been coached before. And a lot of times, the players who shine there do end up being the hits in the draft. So, Josh Uche, like that pick. Who is number four? Great bend. 
Great Ben. Great that's, Ben. That's one of, my, ben. one of my favorite uh, things I've heard about him in uh, reading about him. And number four, someone I actually covered in high school, um, Alabama defensive tackle Raekwon Davis, who had a chance to go to the draft last year and ended up coming back to college. Um, it, it's kind of funny because I, just probably because of how many top picks that they have, at least in like the first round, that we don't talk about Raekwon Davis, who's mm-hmm. probably a day two pick. And, and granted, it's the position, too. For somebody in today's day and age of the NFL, where it's such a pass-heavy league, he's still so adamant about how good he is against the run. And I, I saw an article, he, uh, I think PFT had interviewed him earlier today or yesterday, and that was one thing. I was like, man, he's still harping on that. Um, the guy is an absolute physical freak. Like, th- think of Daniil Hunter as a defensive tackle. Like, this guy is built just like him. 6'6", six, six, right? Is he massive, really tall? massive yeah. individual. Um, I'm a huge fan, and I think that this is somebody who is probably going to end up becoming a starter pretty early on. He's got the physical attributes. It's just like, you know, is he going to be able to keep up with the playbook quickly enough? Is he going to be able to get into a system where he's relied on for that early enough? So we shall see. And uh, Vikings might be intrigued because you know yep. they, they need a three-technique defensive tackle who can get after the passer but probably don't want to spend a first-round pick on one. So Raquan Davis falls into that hot zone of maybe a second-round pick. Um, yeah, and I mean, he's for someone at Alabama, too, to... This is just like a small thing. For someone to go to Alabama from the state of Mississippi when there are so many prospects that come from a national bubble yep. um, and also from other parts of the southeast, you don't often see, at least just from my perspective, of having covered recruiting down there and covering his recruiting. I actually broke his story when he was going to Alabama, uh, which was hard to do because there was, you know, it's, it's Alabama's such a bubble. It is literally mm-hmm. like this cultish bubble uh, in college football. For him to kind of break out of this state – where Mississippi State and Ole Miss were on him so heavily and say, no, I'm going to go to Alabama. I want to do it at the hardest possible level. Um, that, to me, shows kind of that just a, a cool backstory that I've always loved to follow with a kid like that and uh, have kept tabs on him really ever since. Okay, final player on your list of five that uh, guys that you would stand on the table for. Probably won't surprise people too much, but I'm just so intrigued by Tyler Johnson. Um, I know every draft sim that's been sent to you and to me the last month has had him in the third round. Um, Great story to begin with. I don't know if you guys have have read um, kind of his backstory of, you know, putting the the part, I guess not the city, the putting North Minneapolis, where he's from, on his back and, you know, staying here when he had opportunities to go elsewhere and, you know, just... Character-wise, I don't think you're going to find a better guy. Everybody I've talked to, uh, either in the Vikings or other teams throughout the draft process, has really mentioned how much they just love Tyler the person. Um, but as a football player, you know the versatility he has. I mean, he's not—he's not the fastest guy that you're going to find out there, and you know, got relative speed and strength. Uh, so I don't think you're really going to have like big yards after the catch with this guy. But he's. Somebody that you can throw into the slot. If we're talking about replacing Stephon Diggs and go, looking a number of different areas uh, to do that, this is somebody that I say, hey, third-round pick, this is probably my slot receiver for 2020. Why not? Yeah, I'm really intrigued by him as well because the I, the thing with him not being able to have a pro day really hurt him, and that's not his fault at all. That's a worldwide pandemic. Uh, and I would also say, too, that you know if you produce that much at this level yeah. playing the Big Ten, you're impressive. Just like Matt Bowen said when he was on with us two weeks ago, that in a crowded class like this, when you're trying to evaluate for traits on day two, look at where these guys played. 
Tyler Johnson, you know, put put his money where his mouth is against Big Ten competition. He was a humongous reason for how good that Minnesota Gophers team was this past year. And the improvement from where he was uh, even early in the season. If you look at his numbers against, I think it was South Dakota State, um, it's just it's just it's amazing to me how far he came in one year, uh, and I think he'll be a great day two prospect, probably a third rounder. It'd be a cool story too if Minnesota's able to get him a player right out of their backyard. Who has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft Scout. I would say that's the only disappointment of your list, which is a very good one. You uh, didn't La- like it? LaVisca- no, no, the only disappointment, I was going to make a joke, is just that you didn't have a long snap around here. That's what everyone was expecting. Uh. So, you know, you had LaVisca Chenault, uh, Jalen Hurts, Josh Uche, uh, Raekwon Davis, and Tyler Johnson. Good, All, good I, You know, I love day two picks. Just skip the first round entirely. Yeah, I mean, if you're picking, like, the very top guys, it's sort of like Although, I did kind of have a sleeper pick on this with... I was thinking about it when you told me to make my list about Joe Burrow. And he's everything to me, at least I thought about it this way, that Johnny Manziel wasn't in terms of how he carried himself. Yeah. Like, all of the stuff with... You know, he's got so much... You saw him, like, smoking a cigar afterwards. He just looks like, you know, a badass. And I think he's handled himself... In kind of this newfound fame that he found uh, in his, you know, first in his uh, first full season at LSU, um, to where I really like that story, and that's somebody that I hope does really well at the NFL level because it, it was seeing the boomer bust uh, stuff with Johnny Manziel was just sad, and I think I don't know having that much success so quickly. You look at both quarterbacks; they both had that obviously at different parts of their college careers, but. It is exciting to see somebody who shot up so quickly. And even though it was a long process from Ohio State to LSU to where he's at now, probably going to the Bengals next Thursday night, um, it's that's somebody that I was considering. Even though it's such a well-known pick, and, and actually one of my colleagues, uh, Ben Baby, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for NFL Nation, uh, wrote a really good feature on him the other day. I encourage you to check that out at ESPN.com if you haven't. But... Um, Really cool story there. It's somebody, a very humble guy for, for as much as his notoriety and his celebrity has risen over the last year. The one-year wonder guy is always a tough one to pin down. I mean, even someone like Dwayne Haskins, who puts up crazy, crazy numbers in college, but it's only for one year, and it's at an amazing program with receivers who are going to get drafted, offensive linemen who are going to get drafted, a defense that the, you know, the whole LSU defense will be in the NFL next year, and you wonder how much was circumstance, how much is him, but for him... It wasn't just that he performed well. It was that he performed through the roof and had one of the greatest college seasons of all time. Yes. And uh, so I am fascinated by him. I like the Tony Romo comparisons that people make of someone who's uh, pretty athletic but not freakishly athletic, has some creativity, has a a bit of a baller mentality, but also really, really accurate. Um, So there's no question who's number one, but he has definitely earned that. Uh, We have some sort of news. This is like half news, I would say, from Josina Anderson of ESPN. She says that she is told that the Vikings and Anthony Harris are expected to resume discussions on his status and a potential long-term contract that they had had talks at the end of March, and a deal is within the realm of possibility, I assume is what she's saying, um, to finalize something with Harris. So, um, 
It's been an option that we have discussed for a long time. I never felt like trading Anthony Harris for a fourth-round pick was a better idea than signing him to a reasonable yeah. contract. And it would make sense. Even though you are going to spend a lot on safeties in that case, um, they're very, very good safeties that you need to maintain a quality level of pass defense. I, I think it is a good idea to keep Anthony Harris. I do, too. Um, and, and, yeah, that means it's going to be expensive. Uh but you're filling out the rest of your secondary then with players who are in the early part uh, still of their rookie contracts, and you're going to be drafting rookies too. It's cheaper uh, than having to go to the market to find somebody. I still don't rule out a possibility, though, that something could happen on draft night. Like I, I know yeah. that the stability factor there with Anthony Harris and, and what it allows you then to do, like that means you don't have to go get a Grant Delpit or get an Antoine Winfield Jr., Xavier McKinney, having to use really high draft capital to get a safety when you probably should be using that on a cornerback or a tackle if he's there, an offensive tackle. Um, so I like it from that sense, but I just wouldn't rule it out entirely that he could be part of a trade on draft night. I mean, Washington's been laying really, really low lately. I still think that Trent Williams moves somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it's to a team that misses out on one of the top tackles in like the top 15 or whether it's to the Vikings. This seems like something that's going to end up coming to a head on draft night. And if the Vikings wanted to do that, it's either Riley Reef or it's Anthony Harris as part of trying to free up that cap space to yeah. begin with and, and having to move on from one of them. Right. It is plausible that they could keep Harris and still get Trent Williams if they trade Riley Reef, and considering that you know someone like Russell Okung, who has been injured lately and hasn't been great since he was in Los Angeles, still uh, got traded, and someone was willing to trade a starting player for him, makes me think that you know Washington in maybe a straight up deal with Reef going there mm-hmm. and some draft capital involved one way or the other, or Reef going somewhere else. That there's always going to be teams who look at an average left tackle and say, yeah, that's something we could really use. Um, even if you're, I don't know what their situation is exactly, but Cincinnati got rid of Cordy Glenn because he just, the injuries piled up for him and he's pretty much done in the NFL, I think. Um, but, you know, they had drafted Jonah Williams. If you have him, maybe a right tackle, refit left or the other way around. I don't know, right? Like, but if you're Cincinnati and you're desperate to try and protect your number one quarterback, an average left tackle is a big upgrade on a backup. And, and again, I don't know, you know, all of their situation and whether they think they could draft somebody else, but. You know, it makes sense for teams with cap space to want Riley Reef and give you a third or fourth round pick or something like that. So um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, and you could still do it. And if they kept Harris and traded for Trent Williams, we would be looking at this offseason and saying, you know what, there were some confusing things mixed in here for sure. The Josh Klein release is still kind of confusing, unless there's something medical that we don't know about. Um but that would give us a much better idea of what type of path they're on. They yeah. are on the 2020 path to win if they're doing moves like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I don't rule it out as a possibility for a team that already made those moves for the 2020 path. And also highlighting 2021, but if you still are saying that you're in win-now mode, then something big has to happen on draft night because yep. you can't expect that everybody you draft, especially in like day one and day two, are going to pan out right away. I mean, in 2021, sure. But if you're drafting for right now, you're probably going to be disappointed because a lot of that is more luck than anything else, guys who do pan out early on. So, you know, 
keep an ear to the ground, I will say, going into next Thursday, because that's going to, like, depending upon how early on in the draft a, a trade like that gets done, that's going to affect the Vikings and what they do at 22, possibly what they do at 22 and 25, because let's say they do get Trent Williams, um, and then they still end up having to pick at 22 and 25 like you don't have to go get a tackle then you Mm -hmm. don't have to um address the offensive line in the first round because you will have already addressed it that could mean you are using that on a cornerback and a wide receiver if if the guy that you like is there maybe even an edge rusher i mean there's so many possibilities you could go best available um let's say one of those tackles slips out of the top 15 and somehow is available at 22 i wouldn't rule that out either I have a sleeper player that the Vikings could make a huge, huge draft day trade for. And that is Jamal Adams of the New York Jets. I mean, for one, it's an AFC East team, so not somebody you go to battle with very often. He says he's skipping OTAs. He was super mad when his name came out in potential trade deals last year, and I don't think he let that go. And there's no reason really for Jamal Adams contract-wise to be skipping OTAs. It just seems like he's telling them he wants to be traded. If you're the Vikings and you have an opportunity to get Jamal Adams, then you try to trade for Jamal Adams because him and Harrison Smith Mm -hmm. on the same defense would be complete insanity. Well, then what does that do... Uh, I mean, he the Jets are trying to get contract negotiations worked out with him. Obviously, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. He's going to want more than Anthony Harris wanted, and, and then that's the situation that the Vikings are in right now, trying to, according to Josina's report, trying to resume those negotiations where they can get Harris on a long-term deal and make that number not absurd. Yeah. What makes you think that that number is not going to be absurd with Jamal Adams? No, it will be, for sure, but you won't have to pay it right now. Right? I mean, uh, when was Jamal Adams drafted? Was that 2018? So, uh, 17. 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, it would be a similar situation with Delvin Cook, where you could. No, he's a first round pick, though. So, you can fifth year option fifth-year him, option, right? Fifth year option, yeah. I think it's. This situation seems more to me with Jamal Adams in New York, like he wants out, then it's going to be a contract issue. So, yeah, because you could push this ball down the road for quite a ways when it comes to a contract extension for him that he wants out because they wanted to trade him. He is a lot like Harrison Smith in terms of his super high IQ, explosiveness, playmaking, that it's intriguing to me that he would be on the block. Because as much as I like Anthony Harris, Jamal Adams is a complete different level of dynamic player. It's just that he's been stuck with a garbage fire of an organization. Sure. So that that would intrigue me if there were a possibility there with uh, trading for Jamal Adams, and it sort of um, got on the radar when I saw that he wasn't going to go to OTAs that aren't even really happening. Um, at yeah, least in how person. are you not going to show up to virtual OTAs? <laughs> right. It's like, we know you're at home. Right. Yeah, right. Like, we know you're there. All you have to do is, like, click. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to click. And that tells you where he stands. Um, so that's an interesting one. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and continue the conversation about Anthony Harris. Mel Kuyper had his guys as well, and we need to talk about how this is going to go for next week, for draft night as teams prepare for this. Rick Spielman is going to talk to the media, so we've got a lot that's going to be going on here. Um, And also, Wonderlick tests have been published, and I just can't eye-roll harder. That's when we return. Here you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Minnesota sports fans, we know you're doing your best to stay home, and we're here for you at Score North through every step of the coronavirus pandemic. Got something to say about Minnesota sports? Want to tell us why we're wrong, perhaps? 
Leave us a mic drop message on the free Score North mobile app. You may even hear yourself on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, or that free Score North mobile app. Jonathan here with the Score North download, Game 163, the 06 Twins, the 09 Vikings, Preezy and Suter, and KG's Wolves. You can relive them all and more this Saturday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. with a Minnesota Sports Rewind Marathon right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. Minnesota Sports Rewind is available everywhere you find your podcasts. Over at scorenorth.com right now, Judd Zelged has his fifth part, his fifth and final part to his draft memory series, looking back at the past 20 years in Vikings first-round draft picks. The first four parts looked at the 2012, 2011, 2007, 2005 drafts. Go check out his fifth part, which looks at another early 2000s draft and how that affected the Vikings. That is for free over at scorenorth.com and also on the free Scorenorth mobile app. That's been your Scorenorth download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan and uh, Courtney. One time on this show, and because I was given such a hard time online, I will not forget that it happened. Uh, you paraphrased Mean Girls by saying, stop trying to make that happening. Fetch. Or whatever. What fetch ha- mm-hmm. fe- try, stop trying to make it happen. Um, I'm going to paraphrase that now with stop trying to make Tua drop. Okay? <laughs> Anonymous scouts for the Dolphins or the Chargers, cut it out. The Chargers general manager said today, well, you know, durability fits the biggest thing. We couldn't ever draft anyone with durability issues. You hear that, Dolphins? Don't do it. (laughs) And then it has been leaked. Ah, the Wonderlick scores that have been long proven to mean nothing and have nothing to do with how you play quarterback in the National Football League. Um, the best ever performance is by Ryan Fitzpatrick, who indeed has been around for a long time, but is in no way, shape, or form a good quarterback. So, yes, they have been leaked by Bob McGinn of The Athletic, and I, we don't know if these are even true. They're just someone telling Bob McGinn that these were the scores. So we don't even know for Do we sure even, that they're I know the that scores. It, it grades out of 50, right? Like that's yes. that, that's a well-known fact. Yeah. Um, the fact that they had Tua, because I saw them earlier uh, at a 13, like that would m- essentially be saying that he's almost like illiterate, right? <laughs> like, and I just cannot buy that. Well, for a, and I've seen like some of the the... I guess, like, the sample questionnaires of what the Wonderlick would ask, and, and it's hard. Like, some of the questions on there absolutely make no sense. It reminds me of ISAT testing that we took uh, third through fifth grade, or I think sixth grade, in, in Illinois that made you have word recognition. Remember that a corf is a tiger and a lep <laughs> is a ball. And then you, they tell you 20 other things, like, hey, what was a corf? Like, what does that tell you about playing quarterback? Yeah, that you're going to remember no your reads? Or, sorry, this guy's a half-field read. He didn't know that Korf was a tiger. <laughs> like, what? Like, <laughs> does it make any sense? Yeah, uh, no idea, and it's been long proven not to mean a thing. Now, there are other psychological testing that teams do, and um, sometimes uh, you could be sold that it might help them figure out uh, whether somebody could retain information or, I don't know. Uh, but I can't make much of it when someone's been in the SEC, one of the most productive quarterbacks ever in the history of his incredibly good at football school, that whatever test they gave him is going to make a darn bit of difference. What it really says to me is 
Again, someone wants Tua to slide. All this stuff just doesn't add up for, oh, well, you know, he's just uh, too injured all the time as Tua's putting out videos of him doing a pro day and looking great and recovered and modern medicine says that he should be totally fine. Um, but, you know, uh, you got these GMs saying, oh, we couldn't possibly draft him. Uh, take him off your board completely. It just all sounds to me like they're trying to make him slide in this draft uh, because there's a team that really, really wants him. Uh, so you know what's interesting about that? You know who else scored a thirteen on the Wonderlick? Who's that? Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah, it was probably the same type of stuff. Jim so, Kelly and Dan Marino had a fifteen. They're in the Hall of Fame. It doesn't mean Donovan a thing. McNabb yeah. had had a fourteen. He made six Pro Bowls. Yeah, does not like, mean a thing. I just kind of well, then why still use it? I understand you need some sort of standardized testing, but you know what? This really makes me think about, did you see that video a couple years ago? I don't know if the Eagles put it out or if it got leaked or whatever, but it was Carson Wentz meeting with the Eagles. Uh, Actually, it was with John DiFilippo going through, I think it was just they were at the Combine in one of those hotel rooms. Yep, I saw that. And the amount of detail that... Somebody who's meeting some uh, a coaching staff for the first time and just how quickly and sharp he was yep. at explaining what was going on as they were going through his tape from college. Like, that stuff, because that happens regularly, that is what I'd rather look at to tell you if somebody's a good quarterback and is going to be able to not have a meltdown in games. Like, not some standardized test that is, is a written thing. It's It's just weird to me that that's still even part of this. The answer to your question is just like when they have someone try to do a staring contest with the strength coach. It's just, is this guy going to play along or does he think for himself (laughs) you know is he going to do whatever coaches tell him to do or is he going to hesitate to jump it's it's all silly nonsense i mean they played their entire football careers if you can't judge off that then i don't know what to tell you but i think that's part of it is does the person try to be good on the wonderlick test or not because maybe if you try and you study and you do sampled wonderlick tests that you can get a higher grade i have no idea but as you mentioned it's very clear that there is no correlation between that particular test and how you will actually perform as an NFL quarterback or how smart you are even as a person. Because there's a a lot of quarterbacks who haven't done that well who are very smart NFL players, um, and it doesn't matter. And do they even do it for everybody else? It's just quarterbacks? I mean, what is the point? So anyway, I think it's funny. I think it's put out there on purpose, and it might even be fake. It might not even be his real score that's put out there on purpose to try to get to it to draw. But I will ask you the question anyway. Is there a chance in your mind that Tua makes it out of the top 10? No, there's not. And I know that there are the injury concerns. And I kind of wonder, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but some of the analysts that are out there that are putting out, like, I wouldn't draft him in the top 10. You can't hedge that. Like, a lot of these people used to work for certain teams. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, yeah. hmm, is this a smokescreen? Do you get paid to say smoke that? Smokescreen season. Um, and it is smokescreen season. Uh <laughs> As we know, teams love that stuff, and they love the mystery, and they love to just like create. It's like a game of telephone, a really crappy game of telephone <laughs> that they try to enact right now to be like, well, how how messed up can we get the message around this player in order to have him fall to us? Um, it, it, it's it's funny because these next few days, everything leading into round one um, of how guys fall. I mean, think about like the prospects in years past that 
have something kind of come up about them. I mean, remember, what was it, Josh Allen a few years ago with some of his tweets and all that stuff that, you know, miraculously came out about two or three days (laughs) before the draft, and he still went in the first round. The The gas mask bomb. The gas mask thing with Laramie Tunnel. I mean, that was like, that was an explosion because you're looking at that and wondering. I was in the 49ers uh, media room uh, during that draft. I remember being like, are you kidding me? This is actually coming out right now. Like, what a calculated attack um, at that time. I mean, and, you know, you remember the stuff about Dalvin Cook, too, that was coming out around the draft uh, in things that we had already known, like that were the red flag things that yep. caused him to fall to 41 overall. Um it's amazing to me because I look at it too, where a lot of this stuff that comes out, I mean, you're costing guys millions and millions of dollars. The people who put out things, I mean, smoke screens are one thing, but some of this stuff can be incredibly damaging to their earnings, their future earnings, and, and just where they're drafted. And that's the part to me that's not cool. Well, it was for Laramie Tunsil. I remember seeing someone put out an article based on the draft slotting yeah. alone, how much money he lost if he was projected as a top seven pick, even if he had gone seventh versus, what did he go, like 13th or 13, something? Yeah. But you still lose millions of dollars because of the way that it's draft slotted over your first few years of your contract. And it, it becomes just borderline silly for trying to figure out who's who and who's going to land where and everything else like that. And this draft season, a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands, I guess, to send text messages to reporters and, and so forth and uh, reveal things like that that don't matter, which is kind of part of what I started the show with is every year during draft season, I do get to the point where my skull is about to explode. Mine actually and, just exploded all yeah. over my computer screen yeah. uh, because uh, it's actually kind of gross. Um, I just typed in because I wanted to see the number of Google searches because I was going to reference that. Uh, I said, does Tua fall? And then the auto search or the auto fill in is in the draft. And the first thing that came up is an article from Sports Illustrated. I believe it's the, you know, the Maven thing. Tua Tagovailoa is the most overrated player in the 2020 NFL draft. First line of this from Grant Cohn, who covers the San Francisco 49ers. Do not draft Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa with a top 10 pick. Just don't. He's overrated. The, oh, this is okay. free advice from the 49ers oh and for every other NFL team. And we, then it goes on the to Papinga list. Zone. Like, what? This is the Papinga Zone. Did I explain to you the Papinga Zone? No, what's that? Okay, so there was a former NFL player, Brady Papinga, who said, what was it, Jonathan? You want to play it? I literally look at Lamar Jackson as he's the poor man's Taysom Hill. Okay, yeah, it's that's not the it, other that's way around. Right. That's, that's right. Poor, Lamar Jackson is the poor man's Taysom Hill. When you get to a take so outrageous that it, you just can't contain yourself and you was, want to fight the person immediately, that's the Papinga's. Was that was that a pre-draft comment? Uh, no, was that... that was like two weeks ago. Somebody you had on the show. Uh, he was on another show. Now it's Lord. in Utah because you know BYU connection, but okay. I mean. The poor man. What? Did you say that wrong? And then he clarified. He went on to clarify, like, I'm not saying that backwards. I really mean it the way that I said it. And, uh, okay, so that's that's what – but, you know, what is – this is what Sports Illustrated is now. It's just basically garbage. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, but, I mean, like, th- this is – it's just ridiculous. Like, you and I have talked about – you use the draft to find your franchise quarterback. If he falls out of the top 10, any of those teams that can snatch him up 11 to 32, any of them should. Because at worst, it's somebody who 
you thought could be a franchise quarterback. He had the possibility to open that, keep that door open to him. There are medical reports that say he's fine. You find that out in a year or two. That's the worst case scenario that you know just doesn't work out. Best case scenario, it does work out, and you have a franchise yeah. quarterback, and you win a Super Bowl. Like the false information season, um, and all of the you know stuff that teams are like this, like uh, what's it, three um, D chess that the teams are trying to play right now is just kind of silly. Like, go at five and then keep it moving. I don't think he falls out of the top ten. I think that would be a really big shock. Um, But like you and I have talked about, any other team that had the opportunity to get him, if the Chargers or if the Dolphins and the Chargers don't, they'd be silly not to. It feels a lot to me like in years past, teams have put stuff out there and somebody is welcome to be their parrot and and continue to shout it uh, about quarterbacks that they want to drop. And Cam Newton is the all-time example where you get every, Oh, remember he stole a laptop as a freshman at Florida or something like, uh, okay, I don't really see how that's relevant now that that's years and years later. Oh, his uh, smile is disingenuous. He, he, you know, all this sort of, sort of stuff. And the Carolinas, like, no, sorry, we're drafting the biggest freak athlete maybe ever at the position who just, you know, beat Bama. So thanks for all that. I feel like this is going to be the same way. Uh, he's too injured. He's too short. Look, he's stupid. Look at his wonderlick. He's overrated. That's the problem. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did anybody watch this guy play? If you watch watched him play and you look at the numbers he put up i mean the the draft comparisons mel kuyper is saying drew Brees. the pff analysis says matt ryan like okay you're not passing on somebody who could potentially be drew Brees or matt ryan even if you know the likelihood of them becoming drew Brees is not super high but matt ryan seems pretty possible with his skill set sure i'm not going to pass up on that if i'm the miami dolphins or even i think detroit is still a possibility Though they're foolish and they do crazy stuff all the time. But they, they, the door should even be open for Washington at two, Detroit at three. And, you know, if he falls, uh, it wouldn't be the first time a very good quarterback prospect has fallen. But it will mean that all this other nonsense that seems to have been made up with the intent to get him to fall actually worked. And usually it doesn't. Can you ever have it work against yourself? Like if Miami is like, wow, we just don't know. If they're trying to like leak that out behind the scenes, be like hoping that he would fall, that, that just basically to do that to get Washington not to take him. Yeah. What if that like doesn't work in their favor? Like we know how desperate you are. We're taking him anyway. Or, yeah, it could also be to... Got to play it cool. To lower the price of a trade to move up. So if you're Miami and you're calling Washington... It's kind of, well, you know, he does have hip injuries, so, you know, it really shouldn't cost us next year's first. You know what I mean? It's just, I think that there's so many games being played here that it is part of the fun of the lead-up, but we get to a point where I just need to, like, go outside and take a deep breath before I come back in and talk about this again, because it's just, like, overwhelmingly ridiculous. And the first two sentences of that article that you read are just overwhelmingly ridiculous. Like, this is someone who has been a top prospect for two Two years who did nothing but put up the numbers that you dreamed he would put up. And now you're saying he's overrated? Like, uh, you know, okay, sure. And I, I know Mel Kuyper had him drop, I think, in Mach 4.0, and he cited durability concerns. Like, that's all legit. Like, the durabi- that is a concern. Yeah. And whether he's going to be able to stay healthy, because we know about the wrist, we know about the ankle, we know about the hip. Are there other injuries that may have not been as disclosed and, and maybe not every team knows about? Durability is a legit question mark, but for him to fall out of the top 10, 
I think would be unconscionable at this time. And for Justin Herbert to go ahead of Tua Tagovailoa is that's just wrong. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So it uh, that that one will be among the top storylines. I was going to ask you what you think the other ones will be. Like, will Tua drop of next week is going to be a one of the storylines for the NFL draft. As it pertains to us, we know what those are. But at, at the NFL at large, what are the other ones that are you are most interested in? If Jordan Love goes in the first, yeah. uh, that's yep. probably my quarterback 1B storyline. Like Everything else with, that, with the top four, um, I think we know. Like I'm not interested in Justin Herbert. I'm sorry, I'm not. Yeah. I don't think he's a very Same. interesting prospect. He's a guy. Uh, he just happens to be where he's at in this class because the top two are so much more it's head and shoulders above everybody else and then there's love which we know there's a lot of concerns about like well which version are you going to get and then herbert is what he is so that's probably my 1b outside of that and i'll just say this based on the mock draft that we did today the one that, that i uh, alluded to earlier i would not be surprised if um you know there's a top four offensive lineman that we anticipate all being gone by like 14 yeah with yep. Mackay Becton probably going to Tampa Bay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are six or seven offensive linemen taken in the first round. And this is not a class like that we anticipated being as deep, maybe, as it was last year. But given teams' needs for offensive linemen and just how by the time guys come back and the teams come back in the second round, their guys are not going to be there, I would not be antis- I would not be surprised if the offensive line becomes this like big, you know, I guess probably a big storyline that emerges ahead of cornerback and certainly ahead of wide receiver. I don't think we're going to see six wide receivers taken in the first round. I would be surprised if it's maybe four. Well, that is something that I'm really interested in as well because, you know, for Vikings purposes, of course, but you know, this is talked about as being an unbelievable wide receiver draft. And the last time we heard hype like this around a single position was the 2017 running back class, which mm-hmm. lived up to that hype. And a dozen of those guys turned out to be either great or really, really good running backs. And we're hearing that now about the wide receivers so that has to change the strategy for a lot of teams because any time, no matter who you are, you can add a receiver. There is not a single team in the NFL that could say, no, we couldn't use another one. Even Tampa Bay with their two stars. Well, could you use one other guy out of the slot to make plays for you? Of course you could. You have Tom Brady as your quarterback. You're going to throw the ball around all the time. So who's going to view that position as being highly, highly valuable? And how do they rate? I saw Ian Rappaport put out something where he talked to a general manager and that GM said, Said that this year the mock drafts feel like they're farther from the truth than they've ever been. So who are the players that are supposedly in the first round from everybody's mocks that aren't actually going to end up being there? And mm-hmm. I I do wonder about the Jordan Love and Justin Herbert because it would not be by any means the first time we saw guys hyped up as first round quarterbacks and then they totally fell out of the first round and and weren't that. Um, even you know whether it was right or wrong, like Lamar Jackson was in the conversation for the number one overall pick. He ends up thirty second, and so there's always those guys. Jimmy Clausen, first overall, he's going to be first overall. He ends up a second round pick. So it does happen. Um, how the quarterbacks fall is always a story, no matter what. Um, but the wide receivers in this draft, with so many that you can make a case for, on my five list that I made uh, in the first hour, I had Michael Pittman as yeah. someone who could be really interesting. But Great there, outside option. There are eight guys 
who aren't even projected as first-rounders who you could say, you know what, I could see this guy being great. So the receiver class is super interesting here. I would be really shocked um, just based on how our mock draft went. You know, and I said like a lot of the wide receivers. I don't. I'll, I'll leak one thing. I think Ceedee Lamb, if I just remember from memory, was the first one off the board, which isn't much of a surprise as either him or uh, Jerry Judy. But at, to the Raiders at twelve, um, I would not be surprised if we see four taken in the first round because so many teams probably are all getting the same intel and at least kind of have the same mindset that, hey, you don't need to use a first-round pick on a wide receiver because there are going to be so many guys um, taken in this year's draft class. Like, what does that mean for day two? Do we see the highest number of receivers ever drafted on day two in the second and third round? I think that's possible. Yeah, I could totally see that. So I'm working on an article right now to publish, I don't know, maybe tomorrow morning, whether it's worth it for the Vikings to take a mid to late round quarterback. What do you think? For, based on what you know about the class, mm-hmm. not just like philosophically. Philosophically, it always makes sense to just take someone and see if it works out. But based on the class, is it worth it? I think that if you used one of your picks in the top 105, and I'm obviously a huge proponent of Jalen Hurts. That's the one that I've talked about um, for some time now. That's not a throwaway pick, but there's a chance that he's gone in the second round and the Vikings have to address other needs and they don't get him. So what's yeah. what are your next options? Is it a Jake Fromm? Uh, you know, where do you go beyond that? I don't think it's a throwaway pick, even on day three, if you got somebody in the fourth round. Um, because you have to start thinking ahead. You have to start thinking about building out this quarterback room beyond Kirk Cousins, um, but what that could potentially mean for you with a draft and develop philosophy. I think that there are ways to um, kind of mitigate risk there, but the draft's all about taking lower, making low-risk moves. Yep. And if you do that on day three... What's the harm in it? Like, you have so many picks on day three as it is. I don't see any issue with it. Well, that's right. There are, I mean, they are just stacked with picks. And usually you end up with those guys being someone we never even hear of again. I mean, uh, the the names are, we, we throw them out there on purpose in the media room sometimes to make each other laugh and remember, you know, our amazing conference call with Ade Aruna who I don't even remember ever practicing for the Vikings. He got like hurt. He was, he was hurt right away, and then just that was it. And he never heard of him again. And so that that's how it usually goes for guys who are later picks. But for the sixth and seventh round, it usually is throwing away a pick, though. I mean, okay, Brady, Tyrod Taylor. But other than that, you're basically lighting a pick on fire if they're that late. The hot zone for me is the fourth round. Because there have been quarterbacks, including Kirk Cousins, who have turned out to be really good as fourth-rounders, um, and it's a lower risk. Fourth-rounders usually don't turn out to be starters anyway. That's the hot zone, I think, where you could possibly pick someone if you're the Vikings. And would that be a Jacob Eason? Because he's like the old-school type, straight-up pocket passer. That's not a bad value for somebody at a fourth-round pick. It's just... You know, who else is there? I mean, Hertz is going to be everybody's day two, day, yeah. you know, yep. round two, round three pick. But outside of that, how do you rank them? Is it Eason? Is it then um, Jalen? Is it uh, who's the one I'm I forgetting? I think Eason goes higher. Jake Fromm? Okay. Um, I won't reveal my whole list, but Jake Fromm is definitely on there. Our Anthony guy, Gordon. Um, Anthony Keep an Gordon. eye on him, yep. too. So there are a few. I will put that out uh, tomorrow, scorenorth.com. So thank you for your time, Courtney. And uh, next week, it's go time for Courtney, our draft scout. you got to put the pedal to Locked the metal. Locked and loaded. All right, thank you. And uh, coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami tonight. 
WNBA draft coverage starts at 6 o'clock after Mackie and Judd with Rami. I will be here for that, so make sure you are as well. A real sports thing that's really happening. So we'll do it here on Score North. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.